Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you stand up to your feet? I want to pray with you all. We're going to get into our sermon for today. But again, it's so good to have you all. Let's give it up for the band right now. They gave me that ambiance music. (laughs) Amen. So a couple things that we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to get ready to get into our word. And then we're going to dive into this sermon that we have for today. Do me a favor. Would you just close your eyes and let's just pray that God would speak to us. We're going to transition now into this series that we've been in called Deeper. But let's just take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing here in our midst. Father, I pray now that as we get ready to hear your word, that you would speak to us. I pray, Father, that out of the power of your word, you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands. Stay standing for a minute. Let me get the sermon slides up. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm opening up my notes here and I realize I, I just, I completely forgot to put in my scripture for the day, but let's go ahead and dive into our sermon today. We're in a series that's called Deeper and there's a passage of scripture that I want to read. Let's go ahead and open that up now and I'm going to just read from the screen and it's in Galatians chapter six, verse seven and nine. And the writer says this, Paul, this is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And I want you to really listen to this last part here. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I am simply entitling deeper into devotion. Deeper into devotion. With that, you may be seated How many of you enjoy cooking in this tent? I know I'm talking about food as we're entering a fast. Not on accident. I really, how many, where where are my folks? Do that one more time. Show hands. You you enjoy cooking. My people right there. My people. I enjoy cooking. Um, I I remember, you know, back when my wife and I, when we first got married and, you know, we were in our careers and simultaneously going to college, I'd I'd come home and I'd be like, let me cook. And she's like, you really want to cook? I want to cook because um, to me, it's a mindless activity because, you know, when you're always on at work and when you're gone and you've got so much happening, I felt like just preparing a meal was the perfect detox from work. I'm like, I'm no longer thinking about the conversation. Contracts. I'm no longer thinking about the customers, no longer thinking about my coworker who upset me. It was, an, it was a mindless activity that allowed me to completely unplug. But, but here's what I learned about cooking. The great ones use recipes as guides. The great ones. How many know the great ones when I'm talking about? They, they, they use the recipes as guides. And what I mean by that is, sure, you've got a recipe, but some things just come down to taste. You know what I'm talking about, right, Peter? Peter's a great cook, by the way. Peter went to chef school. He's an incredible cook. Pastor Peter don't play. But anyway, it, this, the, the, the great ones know that whatever you're cooking with, it's not always just following all the little ingredients. You don't know if your chicken that you're going to have that day is going to be a little more on the, be- the bitter side or the sweet side. 
I mean, you don't know what his emotions were that day. I'm kidding. But, but it's like just because you put a lemon in there doesn't mean it's going to give you the exact amount of zest that you want. So some things just come down to taste. And I was reminded of this when I was having lunch with Pastor Bobby and Deanna. And they, Pastor Bobby's got this soup that we're just going to call green soup. Okay, I'm going to use that. It's called green soup for all the Mexicans in the room or the Latinos in the room. It's called pozole verde, but we're just going to say green soup. Okay, now Bobby, he cooks an incredible green soup. I mean, how many of you have ever been changed? by Pastor Bobby's green soup. How many of you have experienced the life-changing wonder of Pastor? Yeah, it's incredible. And, and so I was asking him, I was like, well, Bobby, when did you start cooking? Because I know this stuff, I mean, you don't whip it together in an hour. And he's like, well, I started the night before. And I'm listening to his process, but he said this, but then I come back to taste it, take a t- um, to taste it. And then I'll come back a little later and I'll, and I'll taste it. And he's tweaking along the way. How many know you don't get that in a recipe, right? You just don't get that in a recipe. And, and so but Bobby's one of the great ones. I got an aunt whose like enchilada recipe is undefeated. I mean, it is top notch. I don't care. I mean, my, my, I mean, I'm a t- I mean, you're going to know that she, her recipe is undefeated because her name is Tia Nene. Okay. <laughs> With a name like Tia Nene, you know, she can cook. You know what I'm saying? You just meet someone, they tell you the name, and you're like, oh, you can cook. I know, the name like that, you can cook. Well, well her, her recipe is undefeated, and for the longest time, she never gave her recipe out to anyone, like not to family, like not to anybody. It was her secret recipe, and then she got busy, and she was tired of making the food for the family, so she's like, I'm going to give you guys the recipe, and everyone like held their breath. They're like, oh, she's giving us her secret recipe, and you know what she gave us? An ingredient list. Yeah, she was like, you need this many tomatoes, you need this, and then there's your recipe. And we're like, wait a second, we need portions here. She's like, it's all to taste. And that was like the biggest flex, you know what I'm saying? It was like, but no, tia, we need like the recipe. And she's like, I gave you the recipe. It was like such a flex, it was almost like you can't measure greatness, you know what I'm saying? It's like, when I cook, there is no recipe it's just a guide but anyway where am i going with all of this if you're gonna learn from the great one the recipe ain't gonna work you just gotta come alongside them you just gotta get in proximity with them you just gotta go spend some and my mom finally learned the recipe because she just showed up when she was cooking like she knocked on the door she goes no don't give me the ingredients i want to watch you and she started taking notes okay this is how much we do this is how much you do and that's just kind of how it is that if you want to learn and grow from the great ones the only way you're going to learn and grow is get close to them and today we're leaning in on jesus because if there ever was a great one it was jesus and and, and he actually taught us how to have devotion. So we're going to learn from him today. Does that make sense? Is that okay for all of you? So I want to learn from him today, and I want to learn from from how he shows us and models devotion to us. Now, a minute ago, I read that scripture to you all, and we got to that punchline that says, do not grow weary in well-doing because you're going to reap a harvest in due time. Now, growing up in church, how many been in church your whole life? Where are all my church babies at? Okay. So you, being in church your whole life means you've heard a lot of scriptures misquoted. Yeah, we do that in church. Growing up in church, you've probably heard scriptures used in the absolute wrong context. Now, I mean, you might think that's terrible as that is. It's, it's kind of cool also, you know, to apply a scripture to everything. And because uh, I'd rather apply, you know, scripture to something than cultural norms or cultural cliches. So, so I'd rather take a scripture and it might be a little off than to have, you know, some sort of worldly connotation as to why we do it. But, but this passage of scripture, when it says, do not grow weary in well-doing, I grew up hearing this always quoted to the ushers. 
Always quoted to the parking people. Anyone that was leading said, don't grow weary and well-doing, brother, because in due season, you're going to reap a harvest. But, but that's not actually what the writer Paul was talking about. Paul was actually talking about devotion. He was saying, whatever you sow into the spirit, you're going to reap in the spirit. And whatever you sow into the flesh, you're going to reap into a flesh. God cannot be mocked. Then he goes on to say, do not grow weary and well-doing. What Paul was saying is, as you sow into your spirit, there's going to be times when you're going to get tired, but he said, don't grow weary in well-doing, because you're going to reap a harvest when you faint not. And I, I love that, because that's going to be our foundation today for this conversation about spiritual formation. Somebody say spiritual formation. Okay, Pastor Josh, why are we talking about spiritual formation? First note, we are all being formed by something. That's what you need to know. We are all being formed by something. Let me hit you with a strong quote from Pastor John Mark Homer. He says this, we are either being formed into the image of Jesus or we are being deformed into the image of the devil. Ouch, that's heavy, right? Like, ugh, I don't like that verse. But, but it, it makes the point that one of two things is happening at all times. E either you're being shaped into the image of Jesus or you are being shaped into the image of the devil. So we're formed into the image of Jesus or we're being deformed into the image of the devil. Now, I know you don't like that because you think of spirituality as a dimmer switch. How many got a dimmer switch at your house? Those dimmer switches are cool, right? And I like to think that sometimes we think that's our spirituality, that it's not just like a normal standard switch where you flick on and flick off. But if you look in the scriptures and you look at the life of Jesus, and if you look at the teachings of Paul, you'll see throughout the scriptures that if you're not feeding your spirit, you're starving your spirit. If you're not feeding your spirit, then you are actually starving your spirit. And so if you aren't intentionally feeding your spirit, then your spirit is getting weaker. And, and, and whatever you feed is going to win. So if you're not feeding your spirit, then you're actually feeding your, your flesh because you've redirected that time, energy, and effort into feeding something else. So we are either being deformed to the image of the devil or we are being formed into the image of Jesus. You have to make that decision. And this is why we are taking 21 days at the beginning of the year to help you one more time see what you are doing with your time and seeing how you are forming your lives. And this is why spiritual formation is so important and that we have this conversation. And, and the way that we form ourselves spiritually is really there's two disciplines that I'm going to lean in on. I want to unpack solitude. Somebody say solitude and fasting. I told you I was going to talk about fasting. Okay, so solitude and fasting. When I use the word solitude, okay, there's synonyms for that, and it could be called quiet time. It could be called devotion, and it doesn't really matter what you call it, but when I say when you spend time in solitude or in devotion, what I'm saying is, number one, you have a quiet place alone. Somebody say alone. I know you like to listen to reels of Stephen Furtick preach, but that doesn't replace solitude. Okay? I don't care who your favorite preacher is, listening to their reels does not replace your personal quiet time alone with God. You guys got that? Yeah. I, I know sometimes we think, but Pastor Josh, I listen to this podcast the whole way to work. I know, but they're not God. Used by God, but they're not God. So you got to go and spend some time alone with your father. Does that make sense? It's not being overly religious. I'm just thinking about this very practically. I mean, it's great to hear from the messenger, but sometimes you want to hear directly from the source. Second thing that is included in solitude is prayer. Somebody say prayer. There has to be an element of prayer. Now, I grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal church where prayer was violent. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that. You know what I've been leaning into a lot? Contemplative prayer. 
You know what contemplative prayer is? You sit in silence. So whatever prayer looks like to you, and I thank God for both. Some of you grew up, and, and, and uh, uh, maybe you grew up with a Baptist background where all prayer was silent. So maybe you ought to get a little violence in your prayer, whatever that looks like. It's like, I love the different flavors of prayer, but there's got to be an element of prayer in your solitude. And lastly, there has to be an element of reading the Bible for yourself, okay? Again, not the real of somebody reading the Bible, but you reading the Bible for yourself. Now, you get a pass for listening to the Bible on audio as well, especially if it's done by James Earl Jones. That makes the Bible come to life. My God, if there ever was a man that should read the Bible to you, it's James Earl Jones. But anyway... Having the Bible read to you, that's fine. But, but it really comes down to these three elements. Number one, that you find a quiet place alone. Number two, there's some prayer mixed in there. And number three, there is some reading in the scriptures. Now, you've, you, you can make this your own, whatever makes sense for you. You know what I like to do? I like to, lay, I like to light a mandal every time I'm getting ready to pray and have solitude. What's a mandal? It's a man's candle. Duh. Okay? Now, not fruity Bed Bath & Beyond stuff like a mandal, you know? like to light the fire, you know, the Holy Spirit appear like fire. So I light the fire. I invite the Holy Spirit in my prayer time. Okay. So whatever that looks like, I'm, I mean, y'all are laughing. I'm being serious. It's like when I turn on the, when I read my Bible, I'm like, Poof, let there be fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just like to light it up. Thank you, Richard. He's like, yeah, it's an ambiance. But anyway, wh- whatever it looks like for you, you want to listen to some prayer music? Cool. I was listening to someone the other day. He said, whenever I'm in my quiet time, I can't listen to worship music with lyrics. It's got to be music only, like instrumental only. Because if I hear the lyrics, I start thinking about the chord progressions and I start going, so you get what I'm saying? Like, like what, whatever your quiet time looks like, it, it's got to look like something that works for you. But, but just know that solitude was something that Jesus modeled to us just this week. How many of y'all started to, started to read the Bible in a year plan? Anybody, where are all my folks ju- diving into reading the Bible in a year? So I jumped on. Y'all remember we brought uh, Manny Arango to the church in the month of uh, August, and he just like crushed that. He was a incredible preacher. He did his own Bible reading plan. I jumped on him because I I thought that his Bible reading plan was great. He just does a whole different flow. So I joined his Bible reading plan. And so we're starting in the book of Luke. And as I'm reading the book of Luke, again, I'm only, you know, six days into my Bible reading plan. I began to notice all the different places where Jesus goes away in solitude. I'm not going to give you a whole Bible worth, but there was just some this week alone. In Luke chapter four, verse one, right after Jesus is baptized, where does he go? To the wilderness. To what? Be in solitude, to fast, and to pray. Luke chapter 4, verse 42, he comes down off the mountain, ministers to the people. Verse 42 says, and then he goes back into solitude. He goes to the wilderness to be alone. Then in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Jesus went to the wilderness to be alone and to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus went to a mountain to pray again. Now, I'm just giving you little snippets, but it's all throughout the Gospels where, where, where Jesus would get away and pray. Now, now, think about this for a second. This is Jesus that we are talking about, who took time away to go and to pray. Y'all know who Jesus was, right? The express image of the Father, the fullness of the Godhead, dwelling in him, bottling the, the Son of God, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world to take away the sins of this world. And he made time to pray. So, so I, don't, I, I don't know how important you think you are or how much of a wonder you think you are if Jesus made time for solitude, he's modeling to us that this is something we ought to be doing. If there's anyone who probably could have gotten a pass, it was him. I mean, if anyone could have been like, you know, me and my father M1, he said that, by the way, I don't necessarily need to go into solitude, but he did. And I think he did because, again, like a recipe, kind of giving us a guide, 
showing us that th this is the formula for it. But let me talk to you a little bit about what solitude is, because I talked about being alone in a quiet place. I wrote this down. These are my notes. Solitude is rarely a quiet place. We are wrestling down our thoughts and bringing them into subjection through the word of God. So, so when we are alone, it, it, it doesn't mean that we are lonely. When we are alone, you're actually present with your thoughts or what's been spoken into you. And it's important to get alone because it's an opportunity for you to experience some transformation. There was uh, the priest Henry Nowen. He said this, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Solitude. Now, not with your friends, not with your girls, not with your guy, not with your favorite preacher reels. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. And Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Paul said this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And look at what he says here. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When you are in quiet moments, when you are in solitude, when it is just you and your thoughts and whatever lies the enemy has spoken to you, you are bringing them into subjection of the word of God. And this is why it's so important to prioritize solitude. This is why it is so important to prioritize your quiet time. This is why it is so important that you have times and moments where you are taking all the stuff that you are being fed all day long and you bring it to a quiet place and we lay it before God and we say, God, if it's you, light it on fire. If it's not you, then cast it away. And we, we, we bring, oh, I love that, I love that language. Uh, we bring our thoughts and we make them subjective to the word of God. We say the word of God is going to prevail. The word of God is going to be the loudest voice. The word of God is going to be the voice that I'm going to listen to louder than everything else. Because here's what happens. The enemy is constantly lying to you. He's the father of lies. And the word of God exposes those lies. The, the, the Bible, the scriptures will expose the lies of the enemy. Now, as we said a minute ago, not only is he the father of lies, but he's actually really good at lying. The enemy's really good at lying. And do you want to know what the best kind of lie is? Is when it contains some truth in it. Those lies are the tough ones, right? Mom and dad, you know what I'm talking about. When you're kids, you're like, oh, that was a good one. Because there's some facts in there that were like, yeah, that happened. And yeah, that happened. And yeah, that happened. And then comes the hook. And it's a distorted truth. And so, so the enemy, that's typically what he'll do. He'll, he'll use some truth but there will always be the distortion of that truth at the end. And so when we are in these quiet moments, when we are in solitude, when we are bringing our thoughts and make them subject to God and his word, we're exposing the lie of the enemy. Romans 12:2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the more time that you are alone with Christ, the more that he's renewing your mind and the quicker you can expose the lies of the enemy. You, you get into this flow and you don't got to bring everything fed to you to the feet of God because all of a sudden you've got a renewed mind and you're like, no, 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 that's not God. How many of some things is like, I don't got to take the prayer. I don't need to take to prayer. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me and that's the devil. You know what I'm talking about? I think mom's got that naturally. It's like a mother's intuition. You ever seen your mom like, 
You come home with a friend and mom's like, oh, no, 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 no. Not that one. And they're right, aren't they? My mom and my dad were right. My mom's like, oh, no, 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 don't, nuh uh. And I was like, really, mom? Nuh uh. I was like, okay, peace. She's like, she's, mom always knew. I think in the same way that the Holy Spirit will work in us. When you get to this point where you are constantly renewing your mind and you are in solitude and you're constantly feeding yourself the word of God, then when the lies come, you can discern them quickly. You know what I'm saying? And you get that spirit of Taylor Swift and you start shaking it off. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even have to fast for that. That's the devil and I know it. But, but let me talk to you a little about, let's talk, let, you guys good so far? Can we go deeper into solitude? Next thing. The priority of solitude is not to change my situation, but to change me. The priority of solitude is not to change my situation, but to change me. Let me unpack this. Do I want my situation to change? Of course I do. Do I want my sickness to go away? Of course I do. If I have a real problem, do I want to take it to God? Absolutely. But here's the deal. What good, of, what good is it if everything around you gets better, but you don't get better? What, what good is it if your situation changes, but you don't change? Now, I am not saying don't come to God with your problems. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Of course, bring all those things. Cast your cares unto him. But the priority is always change right here. Because here's the deal. If we just treat our prayer time as me bringing my wish list to God, and if I speak in tongues long enough, cry long enough, lose the mascara, whatever, I can twist God's arm into doing what I want him to do, then you're in charge and he's not in charge. That's why the prior, again, priority. You guys know the difference of priorities, all right? Priority is always that you would be changed. Now, do I want God to change my situation? 100%. But would you be okay if he doesn't? Because it's not in his will to do so. Can, can, can you be mature enough to say, okay, it, it, that I wanted that to change, but he's not going to do it. I wanted him to heal me, but he's not going to do it, or at least not now. And, and that's why the priority of solitude has always got to be personal change. The priority is always me. Am I being changed? So what else is happening in solitude and priority? I'm sorry, what else is happening in solitude and devotion? Well, solitude brings clarity to my decisions. Solity, solitude brings clarity to my decisions. Watch what happens. You know how I gave you four quick passages where Jesus went into solitude? What I noticed after each of those is that something happened right after prayer. It's like Jesus got clarity when he went into solitude. So in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes to the wilderness. He's tempted to Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says after 40 days, he's being tempted by the enemy. And, and, and what happens? He comes down to earth and begins, I'm sorry, he comes down, down off the mountain and he begins his earthly ministry. So something was activated in that place of solitude. I read something powerful today, and this is why I love prayer and fasting, and why I want you to lean in on this. It said this, when the enemy came to tempt Jesus after 40 days of fasting and prayer, he did not come to tempt Jesus when he was at his weakest. He might have come to tempt him when he was at his hungriest. I'd be hungry if I had need for 40 days. But spiritually, he was at his strongest. Because that's what fasting will do for you. It'll put you in a stronger spiritual condition. And so when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he came to pick on him at the worst possible time. And if you don't incorporate fasting into your life style, then what condition is the enemy going to find you when he comes to tempt you? 
Because when he came to find tempt Jesus, I mean, Jesus was like doing the matrix, you know what I'm saying? Like dodging the bullets and it's like just scripture for everything. It's phenomenal. But let, let's go on. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, I, I said a minute ago that Jesus went away to the wilderness to pray. And here's what happens after that. Verse 43, let's get on the screen. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. So prior to that moment of prayer and fasting, his ministry was in Capernaum. He goes to a wilderness to pray and fast. And he comes back. He's like, I got to take this show on the road. Why? He got that clarity. When? When he was in prayer and in fasting. In Luke chapter 6, another, another passage that I gave to you. In Luke chapter 6, it says this. Let's get on the screen. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. Now watch what happens next. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. And he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as his apostles. So he, he, he made his decision on his 12. When? After he had been praying all night. Then he comes down. Because you got to know at this time in scripture, there was a lot of people following him. A lot of people following him. And he comes from praying. He looks out the crowd and he's like, you, I want you. I want you. I want you. And he calls the 12 and he says, you guys are going to be my disciples. And then he takes them. He's like, let's go on the road. Those are the 12 that went with Jesus everywhere. When did he make that decision? After prayer and fasting. Listen to me, Lighthouse Church. When are you making the most important decisions of your life? When, when you've been praying first or when you're highly emotional because you've been fighting with your spouse? When you've been praying first or when you got into it with your boss? I'm leaving. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Well, I'll be praying about that. <laughs> when are you making your most important decisions? I, I hope it's coming on the heels of prayer. That's why, again, we want to use the next 21 days to move some things in your life and get your priorities where they need to be and we're going to pray first you know before we go have an argument with our boss we're going to pray first before we have that conversation with our spouse we're going to pray first before we discipline our children we're going to pray first before we do anything we need to do what are we going to do we're going to pray first there's a model that jesus showed us now you might not have the luxury of going to a mountainside i get that i wish i could go to mountainside sometimes but i can't do that sometimes i just in the moment got to stop and pray Say, God, I need you to guide me before I make this decision. I, I need some clarity here. But when you have this rhythm of solitude, when you're getting up early in the morning and spending quiet time with God, you are constantly packing that in and you are forming yourself into the image of God. Now, I'm just about done. Let me talk about fasting real quick. It's been said, this is a great quote. I love it. Prayer connects us to God, but it is fasting that disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God but it is fasting that disconnects us from the world. Um, Jesus's, we've said this before, but I'll say it again. Jesus's ministry did not begin here on this earth until he had prayed and fasted. When the son of God said, I'm not even going to get started until after I fast. He doesn't pick up, he doesn't, and, and, and after, again, we saw all these major decisions came on the heels of solitude, came on the heels of fasting. But, but we look in the Bible, after he had selected his 12, how do you remember that passage of scripture when Jesus comes down off the mountain and there's this man that had a demon-possessed child and when Jesus comes off the mountain, he's like, Jesus, I've asked your disciples to pray for my kid and they cannot help him. And Jesus comes, you know, speaks the word, demon's gone, and all the disciples pull Jesus aside privately and said, how come we couldn't do that? Like, how come we couldn't do that? What did Jesus say? This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus let us know there's certain chains that don't break unless you fast. 
There's certain strongholds that don't break until you fast. There's certain things that are not going to change in your life until you fast. And I don't know what you need in 2022, but you put some fasting on it and see what God does. I don't know what you need God to do in your marriage, in your home, and in your family, in your career, but put some fasting behind it and see what God does. If not, if, if, if again, if that situation doesn't change, if that doesn't situation doesn't change, he'll at least talk to you. Why? He'll give you some inside information, let you know, maybe I'm not going to change it. Here's the reason why. Because I've never felt closer to God than when I've been in my moments of fasting. I don't know about you, but I've never heard God clearer than when I've been in my moments of fasting. Now, fasting, I'm coming to close, Stephen. Now, now, fasting has fallen on hard times in Western Christianity because we live by this cultural truism that you should do whatever makes you feel good. You ever hear that? Just do whatever makes you feel good. And that's insane. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I know maybe it makes for a great reel on TikTok or something, you know, like, Maybe you know, like it makes for some great social media content, but that's not actually something that Jesus did. Because if I want to do whatever makes me feel good, then I'm constantly putting me over other people. Now, some people will put themselves over their family. When you constantly choose yourself or your fa- over your family, you won't have a family to choose over one day because they'll all be gone. But, but there's this danger of always putting ourselves ahead over others and so we break that down by fasting last thing here fasting trains our bodies to not get what they want Hmm. fasting trains our bodies to not get what it wants Uh, this one's going to mess with you a little bit but i want to get there okay it it feels like it's countercultural to say this because again we put our desires and our feelings and our heart above everything But that's a dangerous place to be because we live in a broken world and we have a broken nature and you cannot let your desires or your feelings be in charge. You've got to subject your feelings and your desires to the truth of God's word. This is why just follow your heart is terrible advice. And the Bible says, don't follow your heart because your heart is desperately wicked. Why, Pastor Josh? Because of sin. We live in a fallen world and we have a fallen nature. That's why we need God. That's, that's why we need moments of solitude. There was, there's this saying that says, the heart wants what it wants. Have you ever heard that? The heart wants what it wants. It was written a long time ago, I believe by Emily Dickens. But do you want to know when this was used for all of the wrong reasons? Some of you are too young in the room to know this, but... Others are going to know what I'm talking about. There was a famous person that used this line, the heart wants what it wants. And his name was Woody Allen. And he said this when they asked him, why did he start to have a romantic relationship with his adopted daughter? And his response was, the heart wants what it wants. Think about that for a second. I mean, culturally that's just a completely unacceptable thing to do for father adopted daughter romantic you would even be like man that's wrong on so many levels but he makes this statement the heart wants what it wants and then culturally we just accept it and we start saying it well the heart wants what it wants do you realize what famous person tried to use that as a pass to giving into a desire that he shouldn't have given into but that's an example of putting our desires our feelings 
and our emotions ahead of God's word. And today, people will just rattle that off. Well, the heart wants what it wants. And I cringe. I'm like, how did we get their culture to say, yeah, that's fine. That's not fine. And as a church, how much more should we be pushing back and saying, no, that's just wrong. But, but that's what happens. And it sounds good to say, oh, the heart wants what it wants. It's like a line from a Disney movie. It's like, what? No. No. And, and so fasting helps me to break that down. And again, I know this is heavy for a Sunday. I told you I was going to talk to you about prayer. I was going to talk to you about fasting as we get ready to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting. But fasting is all about getting me to get my flesh under control, telling my body, you're not in charge. Stomach, you're not in charge. No, no, God's word. I'm going to align my life with God's word. We're going to push back against that line of thinking. But I want you to get this about fasting. It's funny because I just had this conversation with George just a little while ago as we were talking about getting ready to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've been doing, my, my, my household, and, and, and like many of you, we've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting to start the year for, God, it just seems like forever now. It's at the point now where if I didn't do it, I would feel very weird. Like that would feel strange. Like that wouldn't feel right. Like what do you mean we didn't start the year fasting? We always start the year fasting. We, we, this is what we do. In our house, we start the year fasting. This is the last thing I want you to get. When you have learned the discipline of fasting, your body actually becomes your ally in your fight with the flesh rather than your adversary. Because what starts off as a discipline becomes a delight. It starts off hard, but then it's like, y'all, y'all don't want to skip this. That's, that's what they say about guys that just live in the gym or girls that just live in the gym, right? Didn't start off easy. Lord knows the soreness, the fatigue, not good. But then when they take a day off, they're like, oh my God, I gotta get back in the gym. And you're like, they're strange. But, but it's just like that on so many levels with life. What starts off as like, man, this is discipline. This is hard work. You do that long enough and it becomes a delight. You long for it. And, and I can't imagine starting 2022 any other way. Like we fast. This is what we do. My wife and I, we're just like, it's not if we will fast, it's, what type of fast are we doing this year? That's our conversation. And we're trying to figure out how do we make this work? And, and, and you know, today is the great grocery day. <laughs> Some of y'all getting ready, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, okay. And get all this meat out of the fridge, out of the freezer. Go get us some vegetables. Get us some fruit, you know. I got to get ready for this fast. Yeah, today's the day. We get ready. But we enter into this season. And it really is this discipline of prioritizing Christ prioritizing devotion, prioritizing solitude, and letting God do in me what I need him to do in me. How many need God to do some new things in you in 2022? Man, I'm not saying 22 was bad or broken. No, 2021 wasn't bad or broken. It was a good year. That was a big year for my family. But every year I'm like, God, is there more that you want to do through me? Is there more that you want to do in me? Because I'm going to enter into the season of prayer and fasting. And whatever you want to do with me, God, my answer is yes and amen. Let's all lean in right now in prayer. Would you just kind of put your stuff to the side? And if you're able to, would you close your eyes? And even as you're seated, let's just get into a posture of prayer. And and, and I really hope, again, that if you've not decided to join us on this fast, that you would now. You said, okay, this is what it's going to be. But right now, let's just begin to lean into the presence of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord God, for your example. There's no better example than your example. We lean in and see what you did. 
God, you live this life of, of solitude. You live this life of prayer. You live this life of fasting. You, you modeled it. You did it. And you showed us. And God, my prayer for Lighthouse Church as we get ready to enter into this season of prayer and fasting, that this would be a season where you speak to us in an unusual way. I, I say unusual not because it's going to be strange, but because it's not our normal. But it's something you're leading us into. It's unusual because it's new. But because it's you, it's going to be your will. It's going to be your purpose. And it's going to be your plan for us. So, Father, we open up ourselves to new things. We open up ourselves to hear from you. We open up our, our minds and our hearts to receive what you will deposit into us as we start this year praying and fasting. God, because if there's one thing we don't want, is we don't want this walk and this journey with you to become routine, to become stale, to become just a box that we check, but we want the freshness that your presence brings. We want the vibrant relationship with you that we know that you are calling us into. God, we want to experience you in deeper levels, and we want to be continually formed into your image. So God, we submit our plans to you, we submit our priorities to you. Open up our understanding so that we would do the type of fast that is acceptable to you. We would do the type of fast that you're leading us into. We would take the next 21 days, Father, and completely lay them before you as devotion. In your name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.